Hello, I am Tom, and this is Mark, and we are with Orange Nebula, and this is the FSF Popcast. The show that convinced you that you maybe need to get outside more. Sorry about that. We forgot there were people out there. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Red Shirt crewmen members 94 and 95. They'll know that when they put on the Red Shirt and join Luna on an adventure through the storms of Brackus, that they didn't leave their family destitute and without hope, because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has their back and what's left of their wretched honor. And now, a word from our show sponsor, Level Up Savory. Their link can be found in the show notes. Well, well you brought you brought in multiple franchises <laughs> I, like it. I was really uncertain for a second how serious everything was that was that was great <laughs> <laughs> all right guys so our guests today are mark neidlinger and tom Matz, and a couple of creative minds behind board games like vindication and unsettled and a podcast called the outpost which you're going to want to check out as well this is all part of the umbrella of awesomeness that is orange nebula so you guys are going to find out more about them we are super excited Nick is excited. His face isn't showing it, but he's excited to have Mark and Tom here on the FSF podcast. Welcome, guys. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks. All right. So, guys, one of the things that we've been doing with our show when we have guests on, uh, because we are self-proclaimed nerds and we do love a good origin story, except for Wolverine uh, X-Men Origins with Hugh Jackman was great. The rest of it sucked. Um, and we still can't forgive 20th Century Fox for what they did to Deadpool. Anyway, uh, we would love to know your guys' origin story. Uh, you know, how did you get there from here? What were your influences in life? And unless it involves a Deadpool mouth sewing. Mine doesn't. <laughs> no Deadpool. There's, there's some other mouth sewing. Just deadpan. Yeah. <laughs> why, why don't you start? <laughs> Well, so just going back to the history of Orange Nebula, it just started with I, I was working in the creative industry and kind of reached the point in my life where I was a little burned out and felt like I really needed to generate some excitement in my life and and find a way to channel my passion. And so in, in the in the cracks of the day, you know, in, in the morning from five to seven, I would go to the coffee shops and I just would start designing this board game, uh, which ended up to be to be vindication. And so for three and a half years would would do this this kind of routine that was pretty rigorous. I would I would get up, I'd go to the coffee shop, I'd go to work then for the full day. I'd come home at night, I'd work on it. And I was just absolutely thrilled to be doing that, to be putting these long days in. And and it was because I was just absolutely giving myself permission to do all of the things that I wanted to do without the restrictions that, that I had either set on myself or I felt like other people had set on me or like, you know, that my, my home life or my work life was doing. And at some point it just got, I guess, to a point where my, my friends and the people who were playing it said, ah, oh, this game is not broken and terrible anymore. It's actually pretty good. You should think about putting it on Kickstarter. And so that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what I did. I didn't really know how to do that. And I talked to some 
some folks in the industry and did some homework and 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 at one point put it up there and through the process of using all of my you know graphic design background and storytelling background that I had done throughout my normal my previous life I guess um, put it up on Kickstarter and and Tom was actually in the community uh, for that Kickstarter and joined in the conversation and I just kind of noticed through his BGG profile and through you know, his commentary in, in the, in the comments and stuff, this guy's really sharp and smart. Maybe, maybe he'd want to, you know, play test the game because we were kind of still doing some, some nuanced tweaks to it and found out that he was only living, you know, an hour away. And so we actually ended up getting together and just kind of it struck a chord with me how, how, how much of an intellectual giant this guy is. And I'm like, well, gosh, I could probably use some of that because I just kind of flail around most of the day. And, uh, you know things kind of came came out later that um he he was he was interested in doing that and we got together and kind of the rest is history in terms of how how tom then kind of joined our team and uh we've grown it from there yeah and so when i came on um you know i have standard nerd background um i'm interested in all the the things and you know i'm particularly interested in writing um and so but I also have a lot of systems backgrounds from my previous careers. And so, so when I came on, um, it was in the capacity of joining the branding and design agency that was still Mark's full-time job. Um, so I joined mm -hmm. the agency and worked the agency full-time um, with Mark and the other members of the agency team. Um, and Orange Nebula was something we did in our, our second 40 hours a week. Um, <laughs> that understood. Truth. Yeah. Understood. And then, you know, over time, you know, that pen, you know, the, the, the scales started shifting a bit to where Orange Nebula became increasingly demanding, increasingly demanding to where Orange Nebula itself was an 80 hours a week job. And, you know, so then sort of our, our role with the design agency decreased and Orange Nebula increased until eventually Orange Nebula became the full thing we were doing. At which point we then started bringing on more employees full time with Orange Nebula. And now Orange Nebula is its own thing. Mm -hmm. And the agency, which is called Blue Blazes, is its own thing. And we're kind of sister companies now. Um, but all of my time is now Orange Nebula. Most of Mark's is now Orange Nebula. Yep. Um, we're still in the same building as the agency guys. You know, they're over there doing real work right now. Um, but and now this is what we do. At least they're feigning to be doing real work. We're yeah. not really sure. We have to go around the corner. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So let me ask you a secondary question based on all of that. So you guys both said that you have a bit of a, uh, a nerdy background and, and you like the things. So if you have to pick a, a universe that, that this is my favorite, this is where I hang my hat. This is what's going to get my attention first. What is it for you? Like, you mean like a franchise or like a sure yeah. or, or answer however the heck we want? Yes. <laughs> yes. All the above. Yeah. I mean, my, my thing is reading. Um, you know, books, books are my, my nerd love language. Um, you know, comics, I'll sort of fold comics in there. I have a sort okay. of on it, like I'll get really obsessive about comics for a couple of years and then totally ignore them for a decade and then get really obsessive about them. But books are my mainstay, um, you know, classic sci-fi and fantasy in particular, but I love a lot of modern stuff too. Like I love all like the Brandon Sanderson stormlight books. And, um, so yeah, books are definitely my, my bread and butter. Okay. Yeah, I'm a child of the 80s. And so I kind of fall into this time worn 
era where it was all Star Wars and Star Trek and Marvel comics, right? And and I have a deep appreciation for those. I think deeper than that, though, too, maybe the nuanced stuff that that the later generations can't really connect with, which is like the the older shows that used to be on back then, you know, Land of the Lost and Buck Rogers and the original Battlestar Galactica and stuff there like that go. is very nostalgic for me, even though kind of it's it's a little cringy to kind of watch it these days just because things have, you know, evolved so much. <laughs> but there's a the all of those things kind of have fueled the imagination for me. And and I, I feel very inspired by them. The nostalgia that I have for retro anything, I think, is pretty strong. Um and, I, and actually, I really like the 30s and the 40s and the 50s sci-fi stuff, too, a lot. Uh, even back to the 20s, even though I w- wasn't alive then, believe it or not, uh, those things are really inspiring because I feel like in those eras, the, the fantasy and sci-fi was really like they they just they're the all of that stuff seems way more creative. It seems like we we have so much saturation these days and they're kind of retellings. Back in those yeah. days, the ideas were so bizarre and obscure. I'm just kind of, you know, uh, dumbfounded and excited about all that stuff. Well, there's freedom in not being in the mainstream. You can be as weird as you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think they had a lot of, like, I'm a big old movie buff. Um, okay. But they had, like, there was so much, like, technical constraint that it forced them to be creative to do these. Like, now you can just do whatever you want. And but back then it was like nothing's possible. So how do you make something possible? And you have to get really weird and creative to make things happen. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, good stuff. I, you know, and two, I think if you go back to a lot of that older sci-fi and fantasy stuff, they had such greater hopes for the year two thousand and beyond uh, <laughs> than what has actually happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the predictions yeah. versus reality. You know, well, even in the sixties and seventies, I mean, you go from you know the Wright brothers to being on the moon in 60 years. And then you mm-hmm. think, what will the next 60 years bring? This is going to be incredible. And all we really achieved was like MySpace. You know, like it's... <laughs> the, the, I'm still the, waiting the on my jetpack. The rate jet of progress took a real dive there. Right? Yeah, I'm still waiting on my jetpack. Yeah, exactly. So. Storytelling through board games, whether it's through artwork, flavor text, or even the mechanics of the game, are all what part of what makes a game enthralling. So what piece of advice would you give to someone who wants to tell a story through a board game? I, a big one. Yeah, I, I would encourage you to, I mean, there's, there's obviously a lot, but take advantage of the unique thing that only board games can do, which is the, the interactive piece and the social piece. You know, there's when you're you know when you're writing a book it's one way you know when you're when you're making a movie it's also one way but with a movie you also get to control the visual you know with the book the visual all basically exists in someone's head and they're in charge of that with the movie or a show you get to control the visual but you can't control some of the uh, the the unspoken things the characters are thinking with the board game you get to control each of those things, but you also get to give people agency in the space. And I would encourage anyone interested in board game storytelling to take advantage of that design space and give people agency in that way. And don't just, if you're using 
the board game medium to just tell someone a story, you're not taking advantage of the unique thing that is a board game. Just make a make a movie at that point. Board games allow you to do a shared storytelling thing with the player and the players are together the story and they also get to interact with each other and i would encourage taking advantage of that would be my yeah standard response Mo to that many 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 if not most of the games that we see and play are driven by mechanics and what what people want a lot of the time is more story my my predisposition in design is to tell my own story when i'm in the game and not everybody wants that is one of the one of the things i've learned they want to be told a story they want to be entertained they want to sit on the couch with the chips and watch it go and and that kind of dumbfounded me because i originally with the, with vindication i wanted the story to take place on your tableau like i wanted you to tell your own story and 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 what we ended up with was you know weak theme or you know you know that's not kind of what this game is this game's a euro it's it pushes cubes and that type of thing and it's not that those things aren't true it's just like i think those that particular demographic missed what what i think the game offers um and so I kind of go into it that way. What we found with Unsettled bringing Tom in, though, is you have an opportunity to kind of do both. And he did a really good job with Unsettled with the narrative and the story and the written word as it's read out loud to let you know what's happening and still give players agency in the game. Um, and so Unsettled is kind of the evolution of that idea for me. Yeah, with the board game, you get to set the stage for them to do their thing on. And mm -hmm. the, I think the, the, the toggle is how much of this stage are you setting? You know, how how much of a frame are you giving for the story that someone's going to tell about their own experience or what they do or and sometimes you can still, you know, if you're trying to do a really narrative game, you can say this is going to be the end result if they succeed, but they get to tell the story of how they got there with their own creativity and you can set the tone for is this fun is this depressing is this intense and epic or whatever and put them in the right mindset but it's still ultimately the players are making their own story as they do it otherwise it's too i think a little bit too on rails mm -hmm. I, I will say every time i've played unsettled with a new group of people they always end up making sound effects of some sort that's, that's perfect that's perfect <laughs> it's by design that, that is, i mean like he says that but it does that is to an extent by design like the goal was let's put people in the mindset where they're going to want to do things like that like let's have every action that you're taking be something that you have to read out loud because you can't not read out loud because it's going to be funny to read it out loud and once you get people doing that then you're lowering these barriers and then people start investing themselves into it and it's not well give me two of those blue so i can make a green it's, you know, I'm going to do the, you know, hydraulic yoink, and then this thing happens. And then all of a sudden people are now in a space where they want to make sound effects. Yoink. And then, yeah. And, and, and then they start telling their own stories and describing the hilarious things that are happening. And it becomes less of a mechanism, even though it's still just literally a mechanism. 
but -hmm. it's been flavored in such a way that now they want to tell their own story about what's happening. And that's kind of the magic of a board game. It's a huge success metric too, for that game. So we're really happy to hear that. And I think too, one of the, you know, one of the things that you guys are talking about there, it's the, the unlocking of the, the player's imagination, allowing them to, you know, immerse themselves in that, that setting, in that story, excuse me, uh, but uh, immersing themselves in that story so that now they're part of it. It's not just something that they're doing. They're not just rolling a dice. They're not just moving a, a, you know, a figure uh, across the board or or whatever uh, it may be, but now they're, they're part of it. And I think that's, uh, you know, to me, a big thing. There's a huge degree of trust that needs to exist between a game designer and the players, because I think it's easy to forget how much an audience brings to an experience you know when i'm reading someone's book like i am in control of what i picture in my head you know my experience with that book even though this person is ostensibly describing to me what to see like my brain still sees what it sees and a huge part of my experience is colored by what i bring to it and with the board game this is especially true in that you know i'm bringing that to it but also i'm bringing how well I understood the rules, how much I'm giving of my like willingness to engage like goofily or seriously or like, so, you know, when you're making a board game, a lot of someone's experience is on them. And our job is to set them up to where they're bringing their whole self to that experience. And it's a really weird and nuanced thing. I don't feel like I'm describing it very well. But the trust that needs to exist there is, I think, more powerful with a board game than it is with anything else. Okay, cool. Because, like, if you're if you're watching a movie, like the the person watching the movie isn't going to, you know, accidentally forget to have the lights on, and they've pointed the camera in the wrong direction. Like, like they can't screw that up. You can screw up playing a board game. And it's a very unique interaction between designer and community. It's true. 20th Century Fox would challenge your ability to do it for Touche. I hold a little bit of a grudge. Not even going to lie, but, you know, there's a little grudge going on here. But all right, back to the topic on hand. All right, so you guys are kind of, you know, talking about this now. Uh, we talked about your backstory earlier, and you, you guys have both mentioned some of the things that inspire you. But now... I grew up in an era and around a bunch of guys that did not play board games and they had no interest in it whatsoever. And if they did play a board game, it was monopoly and that got old and tired real quick. Um, and recently, in fact, on our show, um, uh, the second Monday of every, of every month, we've started doing an RPG. So we're, we're doing that live on, and that's the first time I've ever played anything like that. So for a guy like me coming from the outside nethers, of the board game community, which of your games would you recommend for a guy like me who's just starting to get into these things and, and enjoying them, but wants to wants to get in and kind of sink his teeth into it? Are you talking <laughs> about new to gaming in general, new to board games. Yeah, I yeah, am. I, I'm, a, I'm a rookie. And which of our games is that? That's sure. the question. Yeah. yeah, which of your games? And, and if there's one that you think that uh, is not your game that, that should be played, but Nick was pretty adamantly pointing at something. 
Yeah, I mean, both of the games that we've released are fairly intensive in terms of learning curve and, and strategy. So I wouldn't necessarily call them gateway games for a new gamer. However, if you're going to be playing with others, Unsettled would probably be the first step because simply because it's it's cooperative. So you can collaborate with other players and you're on the same team. And in that type of an environment, you can learn and kind of be carried by people who have played games more than you have. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas Vindication is more of a competitive environment, even though it doesn't have to be overly competitive. And there is, you know, a solo mode for it. Um, I think you're going to you're going to you're going to learn differently. And I think you're going to, you know, that's kind of like throwing in throwing yourself into the deep end with Vindication, whereas with Unsettled, you might have the opportunity to to, to land a little more softly just simply because you're all working on the same team and not viciously against each other. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. I don't think they want to carry them any more than they already do on, through the RPG. They're pretty sure their backs are hurting, but uh, <laughs> we're, 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 we're learning our way through a few things, but okay. So yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking into to getting into some different games and, and just because I've enjoyed the experience over here i'm hoping that it kind of translates over here and and you know we kind of what are you guys playing uh we're playing a star wars based uh rpg kind of like a dungeons and dragons but with star wars hmm. That's so awesome I, I listened to some some star wars rpg podcast a while back is probably that's probably what it is I'm trying to remember what it's called this is bad content i'm sorry i okay. once listened to a thing but i can't remember what it is it's okay. I once I once watched a thing or read a thing, and I never remember what they are. So it's completely fine. So completely understandable. Yeah, we you just uh, dreamed it probably, uh, but yeah, we've uh, we've been doing that now for we've both well, this upcoming Monday will be our our third one, our third episode, and so far my characters survived two episodes. Uh, John, our our producer, editor, and uh, game master hasn't killed me yet. I think he's tried. But nice. Have you had to like hide behind other people and, and get them killed in order to make it this far? Honestly, like, is it shameful that you're still alive. Like, do you carry? Guilt? No, you don't I have I, to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than your friends. Is that yeah. where it's at? <laughs> no, honestly, um, Nick. So we're, we're all Star Wars characters in the game, clearly. But uh, Nick plays a Gungan from, you know, episode one, uh, that that era. And uh we haven't had to hide because the um, idiot Gungan just kind of runs out in front of everybody and somehow pulls a rabbit out of his back pocket and, uh, you know, <laughs> has saved us a couple times with these. The, whole, the these... whole thing has just been trade negotiations so far. Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Bad trade negotiations, but yes. Debating so. currency and <laughs> what's the conversion rate between different galactic credits wasn't there actually i think in episode one i think we actually had a discussion about that if they're galactic credits or republic credits and which one was better to have so yeah there that, you may, go. that <laughs> may have that may have come up good for you guys because <laughs> <laughs> you know what what doesn't attract listeners like you know nuance about you know make-believe currencies about so like fake economies yeah <laughs> Uh, so so we asked around on a couple different facebook board game type pages and if they had any questions for orange nebula the absolute number one question you could probably guess it was about spirit fire never heard of it <laughs> <laughs> 
And a, a lot of people are excited for Spirit Fire. Granted, with Ronak, you know, causing ruckus around the office, it probably is difficult to get things done. So could you tell our audience a little bit about what Spirit Fire is? And if you have any new developments, you're welcome to share those too. Well, I'll, I'll premise this by saying we, we have learned the hard way to not talk too much about what we develop because we get our feet held to the fire later for not delivering on the ideas that we had originally as they as they evolve so we've become a, a little bit more gun shy about it um i i will say we're like a year and a half in on it and we have a lot of firepower working on it and it is it is it is going to be a breathtaking experience and it's going to be different than I think any game anybody's ever seen, and I and I don't know how to how to yeah, how to say that more clearly. Other than I'm not I'm not saying it's going to be groundbreaking. What I'm what I'm saying is it's going to be dramatically different than every other board game. Mm-hmm. Um, it still is going to feel like a board game, but it is going to be our attempt at the the deepest, richest kind of character development adventure story um that you that you can get um with go ahead yeah and i think so here's here's the deal um fsf podcast listeners um like we'll talk about this for a second but please don't fall in love with the idea in your head because it's almost almost certainly not that and we don't want you to be heartbroken later and and hate us and send us weird death threats and things that are like major <laughs> overcompensations for what's going on. Um, because those things happen and it's sad for they really do. everyone involved. And, you know, so let's, let's not do that. Um, you know, that being said, let's, let's, let's do talk about spirit fire for a second. Um, so if you're familiar with unsettled, we, we have this sort of gameplay system where you have these different planet packs plug into this core framework and sort of change the game they're almost like their own standalone game that runs on the framework if that makes sense we we have something vaguely similar happening with with spirit fire where the main box basically is just you and you the character the person um and then there are different realms that you can go to And when you go to these realms, the realm is sort of a living, breathing place where these stories are happening. A thing is going on in the realm. There are these people, there are people you can talk to and intrigue and mysteries. And, you know, the realm exists as its own narrative thing. You as a person can choose to engage with whatever piece of that you want. So you don't necessarily go to this realm and I'm now going to play through realm a you know and you play through the narrative of realm a it's it's more like it's a weird example that's not so one of the things i really like about the video game the witcher 3 is all the stuff is happening in the world of the witcher 3 and you aren't necessarily at the center of any of it you Mm -hmm. just are there and you can involve yourself to different degrees in the things that are going on you there are opportunities to engage with characters that live and breathe in that world but you're not like the general running the war in charge of winning the day and saving the world 
you just are a person existing in this larger living world who is going on their own adventure with their own goals and their own trajectory that just happens to be taking place in a larger world. And that's kind of what we're trying to establish with, with spirit fire is you go into the, these realms and you can engage as much as you like with the different stories and things that are going on. And you'll start unraveling mysteries and learning things about the things that are happening. And the more you you know, each realm kind of has its own little mechanical construct where maybe there are a couple different factions. And as you're currying favor with one, the other doesn't like you as much. And now you gain access to new quests and activities that pertain to that one. Um, you know, then, but it, whenever you want, you can just leave that realm and go to another realm. And that realm behaves very differently. In that realm, there are no factions. Instead, there are like three mountains and you can that you're trying to scale and there of different difficulties and different things happen in the mountains. And and so as you're going between these different realms, you are pursuing quests and increasing your capacity as a character to do things. A lot of it is card-based. We're, you know, everyone designing the game is an old school magic nerd. And part of what we're trying to do with this is make basically single player magic and the idea being you know here's this difficult quest my goal is now to construct a character between my deck and my equipment and these various other things my pet and what my pet can do i need to now build a character basically i need to construct a deck slash character that is able to complete this quest and then when i do complete that quest i get to open a foil pack and then that gives me new gear and maybe it changes what's happening with the map and it brings out new people to talk to. And, you know, we use this example all the time of like, you know, there may be a quest to save the druids, find the druids, where are the druids? And so you have to solve all these mysteries to figure out where the druids are. And then once you've saved the druids, you open this pack and now the druids exist in the world and they each have a new quest and you can talk to them and maybe they give you some things. And, and so over the course of the game, the ultimate trajectory of the game is you're just playing this character's life. Like from when they leave, you know, the starting village to when their life forces run out and they're done. And the, the, the question of the game is not, you know, how efficiently did you get everything done? How quickly did you beat the game? The, the question is more along the lines of like, how much were you able to do in your life? With the time you had. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's very Gandalf. And cool. It, you know, so what we're trying to, to do is slow down the way you think about these things and look at it from a slightly different angle. And, you know, the, we, we want one of the quests to be some, you know, we, we want you to do things like, you know, you're just going to go meditate on this mountain. You know, that's this quest that you're doing right now. And that extends you know, your spark, your life force, and how long this character is going to exist in the world. And, you know, so there's, it's hard to describe without visuals. Um, but hopefully you get kind of a vague idea of the type of stuff we're doing. There's, there's aspects of this that feel very open world, like a Skyrim. And then there's mm -hmm. aspects of it that feel like character development. And when you roll up a character in D&D, &D, and then there's aspects of it that feel like you can go gathering and crafting like you would in World of Warcraft. And then there's deck building aspects like you'd have in Magic. And it kind of all is go at your own pace, slow, steady, do what you want, build your character and your life the way that you want all the time. And, and the richness of that and 
and the amount of little micro leveling and cool things that you can do. This game is very rich and it's got a lot of nuance to it. And there's no combat whatsoever. And no combat. So that's not to say that there isn't conflict and things that you need to overcome. Filled with conflict. Yeah. So there's lots of tension and hard things to do, but we have set a challenge for ourselves that you'd never solve any of those things by hitting them. Yeah, it's not armor and weapons. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a first huge constraint that we put on ourselves is let's do this without combat. Not because, you know, we're overly altruistic. It's more let's challenge ourselves to like, how else do you overcome things in the world? Is it always just pulling out the biggest sword and, and, you know, my shield is plus two and yours is Mm -hmm. plus one. (laughs) Or can we use nuanced things like our mindset and disciplines and, you know, things that things that, you know, other, other types of things that you can tap into to make the game really nuanced and deep. And it has been a really interesting challenge. Like, I mean, cause we're not, it's not like we're opposed to, you know, like I'm playing Elden Ring right now. I think it's awesome. Mark plays World of Warcraft. Like we're steeped in games and, right. you know, combat is fun. But one of the things we found early on was we were trying to challenge ourselves to avoid combat as like the only thing you can do to resolve a problem. And our instinct was just to keep doing it, you know, and it's like we reference equipment and we're like just always referencing combat based equipment and and all of our quest examples that we would just rattle off when we were at the whiteboard. were all combat based. And then finally, we were like, you know what, like, let's just do this whole stinking thing with no combat. Like, is that possible? Because we've never played that game. Like, maybe we need to be the ones to make it. If nothing else, it's a very, very cool thing to say it's to the world. So incredible. Yeah. I can feel our Discord flooding with comments now. <laughs> or unsubscribes. <laughs> or, un- or unsubscribes. Yeah. <laughs> well, so two things. Number one, the game sounds amazing. It does sound like a lot of fun. It does sound like something I, I would be interested in. And then number two, I would have to agree with you. Um, out in the real world, they they do frown on it when you pull your sword out in the walmart parking lot no one's ever been happy with me when i've resolved something with violence it's yeah it doesn't go well doesn't go well or fire you know that that also people don't like when i do that so yeah it's also yeah one molotov cocktail and they all get it they all get it and everyone gets all bothered (laughs) (laughs) all right guys it's time for a couple silly questions so here's mine if you have to pick one movie to live inside of for the rest of your life, what movie would you pick and why? Live inside of. Oh, man. You have to be a part of. You have to interact. You have to live there. My neighbor, Totoro. I'm just going to live in a beautiful Japanese forest with <laughs> like and, and just be at peace forever. Deal. Oh. Done. Okay. Does it does it have to be a movie or can it be a show? Sure, sure, you could be a show. This is maybe partially a cop out, but I I love the old Star Trek where they just go to a new planet, new environment every time, and it felt very refreshing. Just one episode kind of encased itself by the by the end of the fifty five minutes, and you're on to the next one. And so there's a sense of you know unfamiliar that you would have week to week. So that would be kind of probably where I'd lose myself. Sounds good enjoying the amnesia between episodes of last week never happened and this exactly, week is a new, exactly. new issue you never learn anything from the stuff that happens There's to you no logic in yeah. my movie is that why harry kim never got a promotion right. probably they kept forgetting so my silly question luna and ronak have gone through a wormhole 
Dace arrive at the same location, what sci-fi or fantasy realm would you like to see them in teamed up to either cause mayhem or to save the day? I think they arrive at Sesame Street. I was going to say Fantasia. <laughs> okay, well, we're... <laughs> I'm okay with either of these answers. This, this is working out. At what point during Fantasia, though? Oh, man. Like, is it the bit with the brooms? Or is it just like some psychedelic piece? Or It'd be easier to handle the psychedelic piece, but I don't... I don't... It's just I don't know if Luna would Ronak fever dream. <laughs> <laughs> what was the one that you said? I said Sesame Street. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm envisioning yeah. that right now and I'm speechless. It, what, whether they're doing something like helpful and you know there's there's counting going on or there's just some like inappropriate carnage. Um, it's all entertaining. <laughs> which is what we're after oh no where's krista when we need her she's she's typing things into slack right now i'm sure know, she, exactly we have a slack channel called overheard um and yeah no, she's sending something to indeed i think <laughs> yeah she's on Glassdoor. um yeah and krista's just our our office stenographer so we we have five years of just terrible things recorded in and slack our now. illustrator yeah yeah she's you gotta she's bring those back to the uh facebook page we're working on it <laughs> okay right. yeah they, that was something that Teresa used to do and then Teresa went and got a real job um and then the rest of us forgot we were supposed to be doing that um but we remembered so there, there is that okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get we'll get right on that yeah but uh, we I have like, like a couple thousand backlogs <laughs> so we just need someone to get in photoshop and build them i like those uh overheard at that's good to hear. There's good, good push. They're coming. We have a million of them. Mm -hmm. Excellent. <laughs> All right, guys, we're at a stage in our show where we like to take our guests through a quiz. Okay. So this, so because there's two of you, uh, we will wait until we hear final answer. Okay. So you guys can talk about it, all that kind of stuff, but there are four questions. Each of the questions are multiple choice. Now uh, we have entitled this quiz. The one about games and stuff and stuff. So out of those four questions, if you get three of the four questions correct, we'd like to send you each a copy of this book called Custodians of the Cosmos, which was written by our group founder and uh, our show founder originally, Drayton Allen. Nick's dad. And um, <laughs> it's all about a young man who wanted to join something quite like Starfleet, but not Starfleet for litigious reasons. And uh, although... <laughs> Although he washed out, he did rejoin as a custodian so he could boldly clean up after those who had boldly just went. That's brilliant. Is his is his name really Drayton? It's his pen that's name. His, that's his pen name. I was gonna say that's if like if you were born with that name, you have I no know. choice but that's to right. write that book. You're like, oh, I guess this is what I do. Like that or or fight for the crown of Belgium. You pick one of the two, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know what I'd pick. There you go. Uh, so, yeah. So if you get three of the four questions correct, we uh, will we'll send you the book. If you get less, you get two or less questions correct. We take your picture. We make a meme out of you and we put you into our 200,000 plus member Facebook group. We call it our fun sequence. 
That's fair. I, like I, I see us there already. <laughs> All right. So these are random questions about things and games. Stuff. Okay. And stuff. The word orange rhymes with which of these actual words? Lorange, sporange, or florange? What is happening right now? <laughs> All right, one more time. Uh, well, as question. if it makes a difference. <laughs> but I want to hear you read that. I'm making you, you have no, this is my punishment. Give us the alternate. You get to yeah. read them again. I got to remember how I pronounced them. Uh, blorange, sporange, or florange. So blorange. Spore, sporange or florange? Is there a D? Which, none of the above. <laughs> we have to get it right. My, Tom. I mean, my, my instinct is towards florange for reasons that don't exist. I I agree to your terms. Okay, the last one, the third one, florange. Final answer. Final. Okay, incorrect. Uh, the answer could have been either A or B. Those are actually oh, for both words. Sake. Yes. <laughs> So we're not too is actually uh, mountains in Wales and sporange is a technical term for where sack of spores are made. According like, to the, according to the Googles, I feel like we disagree. That's, that's one aura is where yeah. those spores are made. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question two. Sorry. Everyone in Wales. <laughs> They'll get over it. Uh, all right. So number two, Candyland was created in 1935 to help kids get through the great depression in 1949 to help quarantine kids who had polio or in 1945 to help kids celebrate the end of world war ii and look better at the future i think we're headed to the wall of shame i, know. <laughs> I like how I said, the second i start asking the question mark's head was shot straight down <laughs> Well, you're in good company. Like we've had Dan Pothemeyer, um and a else? few others. Yeah. That's my instinct is A. You want me to read them to you one more time? She's going to help us cheat, but she just walked past. <laughs> like you're on your own, scrubs. <laughs> Everyone here's in trouble with me. Someone's going to be holding up Google right now. Um, You want to 50 50? I'll read them to you one more time. Yeah, one more time. All right. So Candyland, was it created in 1935 to help kids get through the Great Depression? B, 1949 to help quarantine kids who had polio? Or in 1945 to help kids celebrate the end of World War II and look better towards the future? Yeah, I have no strong instinct. I was waiting to get one, but I didn't. So if you if you had any instinct at all, let's go with it. Well, the market crashed in 29. 35 is six years later. Mm -hmm. But that's right in the thick of it. It seems like it would take time to produce. So it was produced in 35. And we were all... <clears throat> isolationists at that point. Candyland has that vibe. The 1945 one seems... It seems like the dark horse winner for me. Like that one's like 
out of World War II, look brighter for the future. I don't know. I'm torn between those two. It's not the second one. Do you want a 50-50? Between three answers? Just like phone a friend or... <laughs> Yeah, would How you do cut you those? Do you want a 33? 33? <laughs> Give us a 33. <laughs> uh, yeah, please. It's not World it, War II. It is not World War II yet. It's got to be the first one, then, I think. All right, we'll take the Great polio. Depression one. It can't be polio. Polio in 49. You just keep saying that so that they can embarrass in us. In 49? No. All right, Great Depression one. Final answer? It was polio. It was polio. I hate us. <laughs> I'm channeling all this anger towards polio. We can make these really complex games that go all over the world, but we can't answer basic questions about games. It's because we're too busy making games. You're too then busy making them instead of studying the history. We should be studying so. Candyland. That's obvious. Like, where does Candyland sit in the cultural zeitgeist of sad history? Right there in, in polio. <laughs> all right, keep going. We want all four. We want right. to go zero for zero, all right? This is our new That's goal. Right. The game of life was zero invented in 1860. A spinner was used instead of dice because it's easier to manufacture or more difficult to lose or dice suggested gambling. What year? 1860? 1860. How precious were people going to be about gambling at that point? Did we have any sort of morality about gambling yet? That's my instinct, too. I don't think it has to do with losing the dice, but probably does. I definitely don't think it's the first one. Manufacturing dice is probably easier. Yeah, I'm with you. You think it was about gambling? Why do we even think about these? We're over. We're over everything. <laughs> Why are we even thinking? We should just choose. Because doing a bunch of thinking that then goes nowhere is like our job. <laughs> Please buy our games. Please buy our games. Okay. Yeah. Gambling. You are correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, I was almost one. like looking forward to be zero for four. You know, the interesting part is in doing the research for that, they they actually in the original game you could like lead a life of crime you could go to jail you could do all these different things but they were afraid that the dice were going to entice people to gamble like okay whatever so I mean, weird morality in the 1860s we, we, we have we, we have a long and proud history of getting all tussled up about one thing and ignoring another that's <laughs> well you're not wrong straight fact all right <laughs> all right final question in 2003 what ailment was added to Cavity Sam in the game of Operation? Oh, gosh. Did he receive a ruptured spleen, brain freeze, or tennis elbow? It's 2003. I have a clue if, you're, if you want it. Sure. The answer is very millennial. <laughs> Oh, interesting. I mean, my instinct was towards brain freeze just because that was a very Slurpees 90s issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just seems like something you'd put in that game. Mm-hmm. What was the... What, there was like ruptured spleen, and... which is way too, like, 
Yeah, I agree. Like, and why would you randomly elbow, add that? Like, people don't even know what that is anymore. I don't know. Yeah, brain freeze. We're going to go with brain freeze. You are correct. All right, two for two. All right. So, um, need you guys to smile pretty for the camera. <laughs> One, two, three. All right, took a screenshot. We'll uh, we'll use that. We'll make some some nice. Shame is real. We're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time. You're in good company. I mean, it's kind of like promotion because we'll probably mention, you know, Orange Nebula. So maybe once Herbie will know it, bad it, press it, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be in good taste and we'll share it with you. These and guys some, know nothing yeah. about orange. <laughs> <laughs> I put on there as a joke, oranges at one point because that TV show back in, what was it? 70s, 80s? Uh, HR puffing stuff. stuff. No, he was puffing stuff. <laughs> so, all right, guys, uh, stick around after we say goodbye to everybody else. We'll get your shipping information and uh, we'll make sure you guys get. Uh, we're going to send you the books anyway, just for fun. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, oh, thank you. That's awesome. And and we'll uh, we'll make sure that uh, we we have some fun pictures made for you. Can we Every read? Is that, <laughs> do we have to learn how to read first? We'll we'll have someone well, read to us. Well, right. uh, was it Teresa that does all the the seventeen other jobs? Here's number eighteen. She can read you the books. So. That <laughs> sounds good. Well, Tom and Mark, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you and what your companies and about your company? Our our stuff and things. Yes. Well, we're on pretty things. much we're on pretty much everything is at Orange Nebula. Orange like the color Nebula like the thing in space. Um, we have a discord channel that is fairly active that you can reach through orangenebula.com slash discord. Um, we have Facebook groups that we're very active in. Um, those are our main spaces. And yeah. And we're on Instagram and Twitter too, but not quite as active as we will be in the future. Yeah. If you join discord, you get some fun Luna meet, uh, emojis. <laughs> I thought you said Luna meat, and I was like, "Hold on, yeah, we've never other... promised Luna meat." <laughs> Sounds like I think he did say that. I think it I caught did. all of us off guard. I was just... like, "I was like, wait, what?" <laughs> yeah, we do have emojis on there. Yes, on our, Discord. our Discord does have Luna emojis, and we're about to leave Facebook and protest for them not allowing Luna emojis. So <laughs> that, that was that was the last straw for us with Facebook. <laughs> right. Was was. All the other emojis. all the other yeah. issues be damned, but I didn't get yeah. an emoji. <laughs> <laughs> but the emojis is what really matters. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks. We'll make sure we put some links in our show description so that our listeners can check them out. All right. And guys, we want to remind you guys that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to help our show continue to grow. Get amazing guests like Tom and Mark here to come and participate in the insanity that is the FSF podcast. But we want to make sure that you also go and check out their stuff. They do have a podcast uh, that you need to check out. And guys, tell them again, what's the name of the podcast? It's called the Outpost podcast. And there's a couple of them in there, but you'll see the one with the kind of the weird sci-fi icon on it and we've got about 50 or so episodes on there right now and about 50 in the queue perfect yeah so go check out the the out uh, the outpost and you can check out their games about everything from orangenebula.com now for whatever reason if you're not happy with the content of our show today please feel free to lodge a complaint with head 
of our complaint department, Luna. And you're not getting any meat from her, no matter what Nick says. But don't let this lovable, huggable robot fool you. Luna will turn this ship around in an instant and set us back down on Caliphos, where the offending party will be fed to the bloodsuckers. And with every bite, the offending party's hysterical terrors will manifest within their minds until they cannot endure it anymore. So maybe just complain about Nick. Hmm? Okay, just Nick. Yeah. You yeah. know, that is the one planet I am yet to survive, and I fear to go back, <laughs> but I must. <laughs> you can do it. You can survive the bloodsucker <laughs> noggins. <laughs> we believe in you. Well, thanks again. Luna, Luna doesn't, but, you know. <laughs> Luna doesn't, no. <laughs> Luna says you're screwed. But. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks, guys, so much for coming on to the show. This was a lot of fun. It was our absolute pleasure. Thank you yeah, for having thank us. You. Thank you. For, thanks for doing this. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. That's it for the FSF podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you guys. Thank you. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of the FSF podcast, we want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, please contact us by means of Twitter or Instagram using the handle at FSF podcast or go to www.fsfpopcast.com and click on the contact me link. Thanks again and hope you enjoyed the episode.